This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 178, Peace. I am Hal Hammonds, and I am a Citizen of Heaven, and your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for checking in this week. Maybe I'm still in staycation mode from last week. In any case, I'm spending this week talking about taking it easy and enjoying the life Jesus blesses us with here on earth, even in troubled times. We'll discuss why the world is so confused by our peace, the extreme measures we sometimes need to take in its pursuit, the peace that has been recently forced upon me against my will, and the work that often goes into finding it. We'll start with what I've been preaching. You could probably guess the first passage I'm going to turn to. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7 reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a promise that God gives to his people who do as he has told them to do. The problem comes in, of course, when we perceive ourselves as doing what God has told us to do, and yet we don't have the peace. Is that an indication that God doesn't know what he's talking about? Or might it be more likely that we're simply not doing God's plan as effectively as we should? I prefer to take God at his word, and I like to think I have a considerable measure of peace most days in my life. And the idea of surpassing all comprehension really grabs me when I read this, because I know it's true. I know that there are people out there in the world who are not only angry and unsettled and fearful, but they are also genuinely confused when people who are essentially in the same boat as they are don't feel the same way. It surpasses comprehension. And of course, that's because they are looking at spiritual things from a physical perspective. I cite Philippians 3 verse 20 over and over again. It's in the title of my podcast. Our citizenship is in heaven from whence we look for a savior. The reason that we have confidence in this life is because we're not really dwelling in this life. We are temporarily, but this is not our home. And we have confidence that we're going to be delivered from this place and taken to a better place when the time comes. Our home is not their home. So why should they share in our peace? When you see this world as the only home you will ever have, it's pretty natural, I would argue, to be lacking in peace. The hope that sustains us in this life is not their hope. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Hasn't been revealed yet, not in its fullness at least, but it's real. Our hope is alive. Well, again, if you're living for the next paycheck, for the next vacation, for the next relationship, if you feel like that is the best way or really the only way to find purpose and meaning and satisfaction, then you're going to be living in constant uncertainty. 
Life does not give us such things on a regular basis. We can do certain things to secure our future, of course, and certainly I'm all in favor of that. But there's never going to be complete certainty because ultimately, no matter what happens in this life, even if we get everything that we want, ultimately we leave it all behind. That's why our hope is a living hope. Every single day, it fills us, it guides us, it empowers us as we wait for a greater reality that is still to be revealed. Jesus tells his disciples about this in this great conversation that he has with them on the night of his betrayal. John chapter 14, starting verse number 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You have heard that I said to you, I go away and will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. Well, it's happened. He has gone, and he has empowered not only his close associates there in the first century, but us as well, to find this peace, to have this peace. And therefore, our heart is not troubled. We have access to a joy that the world cannot comprehend. I love the way that it's described in Hebrews chapter 12. Starting verse 1, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is talking about Jesus' joy, of course, but not the joy that he had in the moment of the cross, but the joy that was set before him. He saw people following after him, finding grace at the hands of God, being saved from their sins. That's why he's willing to come to earth and die on the cross. His joy is our salvation. And we can bear the cross, enduring the shame, as it were. We can put up with indignities and hardships and challenges in this life because we know that we do not belong here and we will not be here forever. And that gives us the ability, going back to Philippians chapter 4, to rejoice in all situations. Because in every situation, heaven is our home and Jesus is our Savior. If you are struggling with your peace, if you are living in doubt, if you're living in fear, the solution could not be more simple. Trust in Jesus. Lean on the Lord in your difficulties. The world can't comprehend our peace because they are not a partaker in spiritual things. If you can't find your peace, maybe you're not looking at things spiritually either. Retreat back into Jesus. Retreat back into faith. He will show you his peace. This is what I've been reading. I'm old enough to remember Jack Perkins from his shows on A&E and the Biography Channel. Jack Perkins and his wife retired from the news business when he was just 52 at the height of his career to go and settle on an island off the coast of Maine where he stayed for 12 years. That's where he wrote his memoir, Finding Moosewood, Finding God. If you have a chance to put your hands on it, you'd spend your time well by reading it. It's a fascinating story of how someone would 
on the surface anyway, give up everything and love every minute of it. Well, almost every minute. Obviously, there are hardships, difficulties, challenges, living in the middle of nowhere. And ultimately, before he died, he had to move away from Moosewood because of health concerns, access to health care, that sort of thing. But he writes about his little main getaway in beautiful tones, amazing language. Makes me want to move away to an island myself. And in a nutshell, he did it because the life that he was surrounded by, he had come to despise and dread. And the idea of putting a physical barrier between himself and the world was enticing. And when I say a physical barrier, I mean it. Except for low tide and a couple of hours before and after, there was no access to this island. It's a prison of sorts. He calls it the best sort of prison. Being in prison exactly where you want to be is not a bad thing. And if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to put distance between yourself and the bad things of this world, there is a peace that can come upon you that, to borrow from the previous segment and from the Apostle Paul, surpasses comprehension. Ultimately, no matter where you go on planet Earth, you're still on planet Earth. But there is a very real sense in which you can choose to lock yourself away from trouble, especially with regard to prayer. Jesus is a great example for us here. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 and other passages talk about how he would withdraw himself from the masses, especially early in the morning, and commune with his heavenly Father in prayer. We can have a similar kind of experience, I think, locking ourselves away with the people of God. When we find ourselves partakers in spiritual fellowship with people who love the same things that we love, hope the same things that we hope, that creates a comradeship that separates us, puts a barrier between us and the people who think otherwise. And it's a wonderful thing to be imprisoned with people like that. When Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, in the midst of this conversation about how light and dark can't coexist, etc., quoting from the Old Testament, he says, Therefore come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. Again, you can't be completely separate. Nor should we want to be completely separate. There's a role for us here in Satan's world while we're waiting for heavenly things. But from time to time, isn't it a blessing for us to be able to find that peace among the people of God, to remind us where we truly belong, where we are truly going, what our true purpose is here in this life? You're not going to be reminded of that a whole lot, not as easily anyway, out there in the world. When we're isolated on our little island with the people of God, it becomes easy to remember. And we are emboldened and encouraged as we have to go back out there into the world to face those difficulties again. And through it all, I urge you to dream of heaven, to spend quality time thinking about heavenly things. Faithful listeners will probably expect me to go to Colossians chapter 3 in this situation, and I will. Verses 1 through 4 reads, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things which are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. When he says keep seeking the things above, he's not saying simply every single day of your life, you ought to want to go to heaven. He means setting your mind on these things intentionally, deliberately dwelling on positive things. Going back to Philippians chapter 4. 
all these noble and good and right and of good repute things that do exist in the world, by the way. Let your mind dwell on those things, and the God of peace is going to be with you. If we can set our minds on the things that are above, if we can make a habit on a regular basis every single day to think about heaven, to think about heavenly things, we can find a little island sanctuary where the problems of this world do not affect us. They do not get us down. They do not destroy our hopes and dreams and aspirations. We connect with God. We connect with the people of God. And we rekindle in our hearts that spiritual element that is always pointed toward Jesus, always pointed toward heaven. It may take extreme measures to get there. If you have the wherewithal to buy an island in Maine, maybe that's the way to go. But I promise you, you can find that peace wherever you happen to be, in your own closet, in your own driveway, in your own backyard. You can find your own moose wood. And when you do, you'll find God there. This is what I've been hearing. Most of you are probably aware by this point that I am currently languishing in Facebook jail. To make a long story short, I was hacked a few weeks ago. I've had trouble reclaiming my account. I tried to make another account and told everybody, this is the real me, unfriend the other guy. And the Facebook police said that was inappropriate of me to do. And so the new account, which is still active, is on hold. But in the meantime, I'm trying to look on the bright side. It is a bit of a problem, or at least it's an inconvenience, not hearing news from brothers and sisters in Christ whom I love. Some people don't have my personal contact information, or I don't have theirs, and so therefore the people I'm used to contacting through Facebook, I'm more or less out of touch with those people. And since my mind always thinks in threes, I was trying to think of another example of things that I miss about Facebook. Okay, there's the the uh, news from brethren, there's the personal messages. I couldn't think of anything else. That, that about sums it up. While I am missing some good things, I'm also missing a lot of trash. I'm not hearing nearly as many political rants. I am not being disappointed by the whining and complaining of my friends, including my Christian friends sometimes, about the difficulties and hardships of life and how awful everything is. It's that time of year when college football is starting to ramp up. I suspect there, there's a lot of college football bluster out there that I'm being delivered from because of my exile. So it's not all bad. But I have noticed that the important things in life seem to get through anyway, despite Mr. Zuckerberg. I find out all the news that I really need to know. And the things that I don't need to know, I tend to miss. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not suggesting that I won't get back onto Facebook because Facebook accomplishes a lot of good things for me in my work. I'm sure I will renew my account when the time comes. But I'm not going to lie and tell you I'm not enjoying my exile a little bit. I am. The quiet, the peace, the tranquility may be a little easier to find when you cut off communication, at least with some people. I was looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In verse number nine and following a passage that I go to a lot with regard to brotherly love, Paul writes, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. 
For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. Now, that's usually where I quit reading. But I want to go on and emphasize what follows after this, especially in the context of social media and our associations with one another. We urge you, brethren, to excel still more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Now, I'm going to read that again, and I want you to think about that in context of social media. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to attend to your own business, work with your hands, behave properly toward outsiders. That doesn't sound like the Facebook world that I left a few weeks ago. Obviously, we're not suggesting that it's better to not communicate with people than to communicate. But we can show this love of brethren in a proper way, a way that enhances the good things in our relationships and that wards off the bad things. This quiet love is a blessing, and we need to be seeking it. Similarly, in Romans chapter 12, in verse number 14, does this characterize our communication? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. That's a good one right there. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good." I briefly mentioned whiny brethren. I want to try to put that in context. Our association with one another needs to be holy and righteous and above board in all situations. And there has never been a situation where we can have more contact with more people than in the current day through social media. Let's use that power for good instead of for ill. When I see brethren tearing one another apart, putting it on display for everyone, not being truly the salt of the earth and the light of the world, but rather being ugly, being hateful, being resentful, being jealous. That does not do the cause of Christ any good. And frankly, I'm better off not seeing that. So let me urge you in your dealings with people, when you do associate with them, whether it's online or in person, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Whether you're on social media or not, make sure that you are bringing light into the world instead of sucking up all the darkness that is in the world. This is what I've been playing. I don't know how many of you are using this space to find your next entertainment option, but if you are, and if you're looking for something that's not too long, not too tough, not too expensive, and looks pretty nice on the table when you're done, maybe Village Green's what you're looking for. Village Green is a card game in which you are trying to put together the best landscape, the best garden that you possibly can. And in theory, you're in competition with the other people in the game. But in reality, there's not a whole lot of that. It's not mean-spirited at all. You are simply trying to make something that's pretty to look at. A peaceful little oasis, if you will. And the cool thing about Village Green is you get to decide your own rules for what makes a successful garden. 
part of the landscape that you're laying out there is how many points you're going to get for this, that, or the other. So essentially, you make your own rules, and then you follow your rules and do the best you can at scoring the most points. In reality, that's tougher than it may sound, because you're drafting the rules and you're drafting the cards at the same time. And so the rules that you choose to pursue may not coincide with the cards that you wind up drafting, and vice versa. Very few cards are good simply because they're good. It has to fit into the framework that you yourself are setting up. I like this sort of game because it's not difficult to play, but at the same time, there are interesting choices. There are interesting challenges that are laid before you here. And ultimately, you're held accountable for the world that you have created for yourself. I was looking through my collection trying to find a game that just spoke of peace to me. And Village Green is that kind of game. But it reminds me that you don't typically find yourself in a peaceful place by accident. Usually it is a plan. Usually it is consciously, deliberately, and perhaps even over an extended period of time crafted by the person who says he is trying to find the peace. If you do it right, the peace is worth the work. There's very little in this world that I appreciate more than being able to take a deep breath and know that my world is in order, know that things are right, know that there is comfort, there is solace, there is quiet in my little part of the world, at least for the moment. But when I look at my parents, for instance, who have retired, they got to the place where they are, a very peaceful existence through 40 or 50 years of labor. How hard are you willing to work to find your peace? That's what I want to close with today. Paul writes famously in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and following, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one may boast. And oftentimes we quit reading there. But notice verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The peace that passes understanding that Paul promises to the children of God are not an automatic inheritance that we receive upon being baptized. What we receive upon being baptized is a mission, a plan. Go out and work. God has always had these works in mind. And if you will do these works, if you will commit yourself to a pursuit of grace, a pursuit of holiness, a pursuit of God's things, That peace that you're looking for will come upon you. Solomon talks extensively about this in Ecclesiastes, about giving yourself to the task at hand and finding peace simply because you're doing what you're supposed to do. The peace that we have in Jesus comes because we know that our problems are resolved. Our problems are being resolved by Jesus and that we have an active part in that. We have committed ourselves to these works. We have committed ourselves to this lifestyle. We know that when we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, we can find that peace. In fact, that peace is going to find us. So take charge of your mental state today. If you are not at peace, if you're cumbered about by worry and insecurity and hardships and difficulties and temptations and such, it doesn't have to be that way. You can grab peace and take it into your heart and have it bear the fruit that Jesus wants it to bear. 
It's not up to your neighbors. It's not up to the government. It's not up to the brethren. It's not up to anybody else. It's up to you. You have been listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Thank you for your support. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and or on YouTube. Comments, corrections, and suggestions are always welcome. Please feel free to follow me through Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, or Instagram, or check out my webpage, www.halhammonds.com. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, the Citizen of Heaven, signing off.